At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. This song is like a punch to the gut for me, of just like emotions. Man, I love it. It's like takes me back to so many different moments in my life of just like the Lord speaking identity over me as a son. Um, I just remember one of, the, one of the major breakthroughs in my life um, was just this moment of, of, of worship. I was in Denver and um, I just had been struggling to understand like the father heart of God. I'd been struggling in so many different ways. I knew that God loved me, but like I just felt like there was this disconnect still between what I knew, what I had been told, and what I like felt and actually believed, right? And um, I love those those lyrics. Um, it says like it's like you and me, and me and you. Like I don't have to do a thing. Um, he's already approved of me. And um, for me, that's such a significant statement. Um, being in that church, uh, up at the front, um, in a moment of ministry, saying like, "Yes, God, like this is what I want. I want I want my life to be for you." And, um, and this person came up behind me. I still don't know to this day who it was. Um, and, uh, and it was funny because just that afternoon I was at lunch with some friends. It's like all coming back to me right now. Um, we were at Chipotle and I remember just like being like, I just don't ever get emotional in church. And I think that there's something wrong with me. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know, I just don't get emotional. I remember, I remember like going to see the, the movie, the, pa- the Passion of the Christ, and like, I think it came out when I was in like middle school, and our church rented out a theater, because that's what churches do. And, uh, and I remember sitting in there, and like I heard all these people around me, and they were like sniffling and crying. And I remember thinking to myself, why am I just like so straight-faced right now? And I started thinking about like things in my life that would make me sad because I was like, I need to start crying. Otherwise, I don't know if I'm actually like a Christian. <laughs> and so wrong. <laughs> and fast forward like to like, when I'm like 22 years old now and I remember telling them this story uh, at this Chipotle and then we're in ministry and I'm in the front at the end and I'm like, well, I don't understand God. And this person came up behind me and I felt this hand on my shoulder and this voice and it just like whispered like into my ear, and all this voice said was, I approve of you, I approve of you, I approve of you. And the voice said it, I mean, probably 30 or 40 times from the context of like the Lord, the Lord was just speaking through whoever this person was. He said, I, I, I affirm you, I affirm you. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to do anything. And it was probably on like the, the 30 or 40th time that something broke inside of me. And I was just on the ground, man. I was on the ground for like 20 minutes. It was like, like 22 years of emotion for the Lord just like welling up and like bursting out because he affirms me. Before I do anything, he loves me. Before you do anything, he loves you. So I just love, I just love that song. I'm so glad we could sing that today. I'm so glad it was written in general. But, uh, yeah, just a little sidebar there. If you would, open your Bibles with me, y'all, to, uh, to Psalm chapter 40, uh, Psalm chapter 40. And as you do, I just want us to think for a second, think with me for a second, right, about the importance of a good story, 
the importance of a, of a, of a good story. I, see, I think most people, like if you're human, would say that they appreciate a good story, right? I mean, like, why not? It's anything, it's entertaining. But a good story, a great story, now that, now that has the ability to really have an impact in your life. I think it's why we love books and movies and, and music and documentaries. It's why websites like Ancestry.com are, are so dang popular anymore. A simple phrase, but a deep, deep truth. Stories are important because stories hold power. Stories hold power, power to remember, to inspire, to excite, to, to speak up and use your voice. The power of a story can quite literally change a life. And it's on this profound truth that we're building from this morning as we move to close out this current series that we've been in, Assembly Required, which has been focused on answering one very specific question. Why do we gather on Sundays? Or even simpler, why do we gather as the church? It's such a, such a good question that's led us to truths in these last few weeks, like receiving God's word. We gather to receive God's word together, developing a culture of, of joyful repentance and, and forgiveness, remembering last week that worship is more than a song, right? It's a lifestyle. And finally today, why do we gather on Sundays? Why do we gather as a church today? The power and the importance of, of seeing the testifying or sharing of God's deliverance. We gather to testify to God's deliverance. I don't know where you've been the last few weeks. I don't know where, where this series has hit you or, or taken you or got you like me, a gut, like a punch to the gut. But it's been such a game changer for me, personally. I have allergies. I have, like, seasonal allergies, um, but also I'm, I'm allergic to, like, dogs and cats. So I guess that's just not seasonal. That's just a lifestyle. Um, <laughs> So, like, for me, every year that I remember, I go to my doctor, and he gives me, like, this, like, B12 booster shot, and he's, like, he says to me, like, this is going to, you know, help with the allergies this season, and I don't know if it does. <laughs> I, I choose to believe that it does. But, like, that's what it's like for me. This series, to me, has been, like, this, like this B12 booster shot that I get just before allergy season. I just, I just really needed it. Don't you love when you, when, you, when you receive something and you don't even think or know that you need it until you receive it? And then you're like, how did I live without this? That's what it's been like for me. I just really needed these last few weeks. And it's from this place this morning of, of deep connection and intimacy with the Lord that I'm, I'm just really expecting for all of us now as we turn our, our attention to these three specific reactions from this call to share from David in Psalm chapter 40. And the first is that we got to testify that God is our rock. Testify that God is our rock. David says, Psalm 40, verse 1, he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog. 
and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I mean, how relatable is this right here? I love David because, because what this guy goes through is so relatable to me. And I got to imagine to you, we've all been here before. Some of you are literally in it right now, this place where you're crying out to God. You feel alone or forgotten or broken. You're waiting on a dream or a promise or a word, and it feels like forever, and God feels distant, and you're just sinking deeper and deeper and deeper into the quicksand. And this is, is seemingly where we find David. And honestly, though, what a life this guy has. We find David here this morning, but two weeks ago, we found David in the midst of, of this allegory of confession and repentance. And then last week, my man's life is completely flipped upside down, and he is, like, praising God with everything that he has. And fast forward another week, and here we are today, and he's like, I'm in this in this miry bog. But in the same sentence, everything shifts. In the same breath, everything shifts. He says, he drew me up from the pit of destruction and out of the miry bog. I mean, these are metaphors for death, guys. The Mary Bog, the, the pit of destruction. To me, the pit of destruction sounds like that, that pit that Indiana Jones falls in. What's that movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark? He falls in that pit, that tomb, it's just full of snakes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, to me, that's what the, when I think of the pit of destruction, I think of, of being in a, in a hole of snakes. I don't care if it's Indiana Jones or any hole of snakes. That's death to me. <laughs> But no, like the very, the very next line says, God reaches in and he pulls him out and he sets him upon the rock. Come on. Thank God for rocks. Check out these rock verses that we find in the Bible right here. I think we have a slide that says, the Lord is my rock and my fortress, Psalm 18.2. Psalm 62.2 says, God alone is my rock. Psalm 92, the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Breaking news, guys, God is the rock. God is the rock here, and he reaches into our situations and our circumstances, and he secures us onto him. He gives me and he gives you a place to stand and to rest physically, emotionally, spiritually, and thank God for it. Because to be secure on the rock doesn't always equate to our earthly circumstances changing. That's important. To be secure on the rock doesn't always equate to your earthly circumstances changing. And it's so important that we get this, guys, because Jesus never promised a perfect life on earth. But I can tell you this, to be secure on the rock can, does, and will shift our perspective, and that's the kicker. David says, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise. 
You see, security on the rock, it gives us this ability to worship him in all seasons. And the Bible says, because of this, many will see and hear and ultimately come to know of Christ. It makes me think of of Michael and Megan's dad and his fight against COVID-19. It was a pretty public thing. Michael and Megan did an incredible job of, of telling this story while he was going through it. But if you're not familiar, their father, he came down with, with COVID, right? And, and he didn't just come down with it, but he was like attacked with it. And it, it took him to this place where, where they had to transfer him to like one or two or three different hospitals. And he finally ended up, I believe, in Ann Arbor. And, and there was this conversation that happened. And essentially the conversation was this, like it's so bad in your body that we think the best thing for you is to enter into this two-week medically-induced coma. We're going to intubate you, right? But the kicker of that story is they said, we cannot guarantee that you'll come out of it. Like, we think the best thing for you is to go into this place, but we can't promise that you're going to come out of that place. But yet, that's the best thing for you. What a situation to be in, right? And I was thinking about that all week as I've thought about the power of a story, the power of a story, the power of a story. So I texted Megan last night, and I was like, can you just run me through really quick, like, what he was thinking and what he was feeling, because, because this is what I'm talking about. Megan says, I remember, I remember him telling us that he was confident that his faith was sure before and would be also after intubation. He wasn't scared, but at peace in trusting his life to Jesus' care. To be secure on the rock doesn't always equate to our earthly circumstances changing, but he wasn't scared, but at peace in trusting his life to Christ. She said, the nurses did make comments to my mom and Michael a few times about his trust and confidence and his faith. And, and so he did. He went into this medically induced coma for two weeks, and the doctors began to like remove the medications and try to wake him up, but he didn't wake up. And the next day, he didn't wake up. And the next day, he didn't wake up. And, and now Megan and Michael and their family, for the second time, are, are sort of having to like say goodbye to this, to this man, this rock of their family. And he didn't wake up, and then he moved a limb, and then he moved another limb, and then slowly, 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 he began to regain his consciousness. This is the best part. She says, I think that the patience that he showed was in his ability to persevere through the treatment all the way up to the coma without the normal panic that I am sure they, doctors and nurses and hospital staff, saw on the regular. And then once upon waking, he couldn't help but share who got him through and that God did a miracle on him. You see, security on the rock, it gives us the ability to worship in all seasons. And the Bible says that in that, because of that, many will see and hear and come to know Christ. That is a story with power attached to it. And you better believe that lives are going to change each and every time it's shared. 
So we testify that God is our rock, but also that he multiplies his favor. God is our rock, but he also multiplies his favor. And up until now, David has been talking to us about God. But notice with me now how it shifts to God. In verse 4, he says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go in astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. I love it because David is just like so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. Man, he's so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. When's the last time we were so overwhelmed? When's the last time we allowed ourselves to even become overwhelmed? with the goodness of God. We move so fast, even in the midst of, of shutdown, we still move so fast. He's like, you have multiplied your great works and your thoughts towards us. Do you know that he thinks of you? Do you know that he thinks of you, that he thinks about you, that you're important to him and you matter? That he loves you and just wants you to know it, wants you to feel it, wants you to be secure in it, wants you to rest in it. Like some of you need this reminder right now, and yet for others you need this revelation for the first time in your life that he loves you. And that he affirms of you. You don't have to do a thing. He already affirms of you. And you're sitting here and you're in a season, you're like, oh, Pat, I'm in a season. Man, I'm going through a season. It's been a season. But wow, if there isn't a freedom and peace that your spirit is longing for, that only his love can provide. And David's like, I found that peace. And when we do, when you do, we can't help but just want to share it. We can't help but just want to talk about it. It is the sole purpose that I stand here this morning because I had a love revelation with Jesus. And I want you to have a love revelation with Jesus. That is it. That'll change everything. Your life will be completely flipped upside down. It says that in the Bible. It says that they, the disciples, they were flipping the world upside down. These were like uneducated men, but they had been with Christ, and they were flipping the world upside down. And he continues in verse 6. He writes this, in sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Thank God for an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. And then I said, behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do your will, oh my God, with your law is within my heart. Guys, if there is anything that we got to know, it's that it is more than ritual with God. It's about the heart. Even being here together this morning, it is so encouraging to see your faces. It's so encouraging to see half your faces. 
But even being here together, I just don't think your attendance matters if your heart doesn't show up to church with you. I just don't think your attendance matters if your heart doesn't show up to church with you. And again, David is like, if it is more about the heart, then that's what I want to be about too. I delight to do your will, he says. Do we? I delight to do your will, he says. Do you? Do we delight to do the will of God? It is a daily battle. Don't get me wrong. And I'm human and I'm selfish, but I want to honor him by delighting in his will. And I'm just learning and failing and growing and learning that it might be more about the heart of God and less about my 84th straight day on the Bible app badge. Don't get me wrong, I don't have that badge, just so you know. It's just an expression. David finishes the section of verses. In verse 9, he says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Thank God your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Here's the simple deal, y'all. We have to talk about what God has done. We have to talk about what God is doing, what he can do, and what he will do in our lives. And it's got to start right here. It's got to start here in church so that it overflows out there. It's got to be part of our culture, part of our DNA in here because people need our hope. People need this rock that we cling to. Stephanie Gretzinger, she says about worship, sometimes you're not going to always feel it. Sometimes you're not going to always just step in and be ready to go. She says, sometimes you have to sing your way to the throne. Then she says, if we can't get wild and free in here, then how do we expect to get wild and free for the Lord out there? If we can't even come into church because we're so afraid, there's a culture of fear, there's a culture of comparison in a church building that we can't even like let loose for the Lord in here, then how the heck are we supposed to let loose for the Lord out there where there is absolutely not a culture of freedom? Where there's absolutely a culture of comparison and fear and fear of men and anything else that the enemy wants to throw at us. It's got to start in here so that it moves and morphs out there. So be bold. Be confident. If at first not in yourself, then in God who is faithful. David says, I have not concealed your love and faithfulness and goodness from people because you have not and will not conceal it from me. In other words, I'm going to tell people about you because you're faithful to me in the process of doing it. 
I love that I have not concealed your love and faithfulness and goodness from people because, because you, God, have not and you will not conceal your love and your faithfulness and your goodness from me. Believe me, it is not easy to evangelize. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just the spirit of faith just rolls in like a fog and you just you get it and you just go. It's like, it's so easy. For the most part, it is not easy. I remember my first, my first actual real ministry moment in YWAM. We were in Los Angeles, California at the US Open of Surfing. And I'd been in YWAM for like four weeks. So I had learning so many new things. I didn't even know what I believe yet. And they, they like take us from Denver and they transport us to the, to the US Open of Surfing. Hundreds of thousands of people in Huntington Beach, California, and they, they split us up into groups, and they're like, all right, you're gonna go, and you're just gonna ask the Lord what he wants for you today, and talk to people, love people, tell them about the Lord, get a word, do ministry. I remember going out, and I'm like, I don't belong here. You kidding me? Like, it's so, people are so cool in Los Angeles. I'm like, I'm so intimidated, right? And, and I remember just sitting on a park bench at the beach for like three and a half hours, like so defeated. But the next day I went back and I, I watched somebody else do it. And the next day I went back and I, I watched somebody else do it. And I think the third or fourth day I finally like opened my mouth and, and like squeaked out a word, probably like, Jesus loves you. And I just ran, ran away. Then we went back and we did it again and again and again and again. And you know what? We saw so much fruit because we stepped into the uncomfortable. And we said like David, I cannot and I will not keep what you've given me and what you've shown me and what you have for me and you have for others inside because you have not and you will not keep it from me. hard and it's uncomfortable and it is specifically because of that that finally we need to be in prayer that God would keep us testifying honestly I think one of the greatest mistakes that we can make is to sleep on the devil one of the greatest mistakes that you and I can make in life is to sleep on the devil he is aware church David writes in verse 12, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. Aren't you glad the Lord takes thought for you? You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. 
see, more often than not, the Psalms follow this, this theme of, of starting out in petition and moving to praise. But here, here it's quite the opposite. And starting from praise and, and moving toward petition, David's life is reminding us that the common rhythms of a follower of God very rarely move from strength to strength, as much as from places of victory to seasons of doubt or loss or confusion or fear or unrest. But here's the saving grace. Because of God's faithfulness in verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Because of God's faithfulness in verse 1, David can be confident in his future faithfulness in verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. In other words, guys, life is hard and it's not always fair. But don't lose heart. As Christians, we don't follow God so that things will go well for us. We follow God because things did not go well for Christ on our behalf. We don't follow God so that things will go well for us. We follow him because things did not go well for Christ on your behalf. And that is what we testify to. That is what we testify to because that truth has changed our destiny. And because that truth has changed our destiny, we now stand firm on God, a rock. And that is worth being bold about because that rock is for all. We really got to talk more about it. What's that? What's that t-shirt? Oh man, it's like the classic, the classic t-shirt where it's like something about um, like my like uh, evangelizing, but not with words, but like with your like your lifestyle. I forget what it is. I wish I had it on me. It's important that we like live a life for God, yeah, but we can't forget to use our words. <laughs> We got to talk more about it. Stories of his goodness, our history of his deliverance, much like David's and Brian's and Mr. Newfeld's, they hold power. Your testimony holds power. This book, it holds power because it's alive. Your story, it's alive. It's being written by an alive God who has all the power and all the authority. And they need to be remembered and preserved and told and shared because we exist in a world that desperately needs hope and desperately needs light and desperately needs love. And we have it. They need it and we have it and we have it and they need it. And the enemy will do whatever it takes to steal our confidence. He will do whatever it takes to steal your confidence and your joy and your boldness and your faith. But nothing can move you from the rock that you stand secure on today. And 
And so my prayer for us is this, my prayer for you today is this, that in the face of whatever season and whatever circumstance you find yourself in, that you will keep talking and you will keep telling and you will keep sharing of his deliverance and his goodness in your life. Take heart. He will not give up on you. God, thank you that you will not give up on us. Are you kidding me? Everything I do, my life, you could have given up on me so long ago and it would have been justified. But you don't give up on me. You don't give up on us. He will not give up on you. God, make us to be a people. Make us to be a church that, yeah, we live a lifestyle that that exemplifies you, but it can be really scary to use our voice sometimes, God. Especially right now, this cancel culture we live in. I don't like that you're canceled. You think that? Now we're done. I thought we were friends. I thought we were pals. I thought we were bros, man, but no, I'm done. Today I just release in Jesus' name a fresh anointing of boldness and fire and passion over each and every one of us in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come right now. Just minister, just move. Like Michaela said, we need more of that, that icy wind, whatever she said, we need that too. Just come right now and minister and move as we just turn our hearts to respond to you. Think about that moment in the front of that church. And that person came up behind me and they spoke the exact breakthrough that I had been wanting and needing and longing and crying out for, even when I didn't know that I was crying out for it. I think about that moment. And the uniqueness of that moment was that the minute before it happened, I was invited and I was encouraged to come tell God what I wanted. I can, I can pray that over you today. I can, I can say, Holy Spirit, come and move. Fresh fire, fresh anointing, more boldness, more passion, more confidence, less fear of man, no fear of man. In Jesus' name, I break it off in Jesus' name. I can say all of it. But sometimes, sometimes I think the Lord is waiting for us to come and meet him and say, yeah, God, that's what I want. And then the breakthrough comes, and then it happens, and then it's released. So if that's you, and you want that, and you need that, don't be afraid to tell him today. Don't be afraid to ask him today. Don't be afraid to cry out to him in this moment of worship and say, yeah, God, that's what I need. And if there's an anointing, then I want it. There's an opportunity for me to be more bold and less afraid of the person next to me than I want it. That's what I want. Is that what you want? God, give us boldness to cry out to you. Increase our faith, God, to know that, that you are the one that is capable of, of releasing 
And God, would we be a church that testifies of your goodness and your deliverance every moment we get the chance to do it. God, we just respond to you today in worship. You are our rock. We are firm on the rock. Take heart this week. The enemy will come. Take heart this week. The enemy will, will, will be all up in your business. But you are secure on the rock. And he can't remove you from it. He cannot remove you from it. Wow. We just declare in Jesus' name, enemy, we know that you cannot remove us from the rock of our salvation. And then it's from that platform that we, that we sing and we worship and we go and we live and we share and we tell and we testify of the love that we have come to know. And his name is Jesus. So we just respond to you today, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.